Excited Utterance, The Evidence and Proof Podcast, Episode Number 64, Tzu Hao Wang, Oral Testimony in Chinese Criminal Trials. Welcome to Excited Utterance. I'm your host, Ed Chang, from Vanderbilt Law School. Excited Utterance is your podcast for cutting-edge scholarship and developments in the world of evidence. We bring virtual workshops to you throughout the academic year. This week, our guest is Zhu Hao Wang. Zhu Hao is Associate Professor at the China University of Political Science and Law, and is currently an SJD candidate at Northwestern University. Among other things, Zhu Hao serves as an editor of Evidence Science, a leading Chinese law journal focusing on evidence law. Our podcast today features Tzu Hao's recent article, Is an Oral Evidence-Based Criminal Trial Possible in China? The article was co-authored with David Caruso and was published in the International Journal of Evidence and Proof. In it, Tzu Hao discusses the Chinese criminal procedural law of 2012, which seeks to encourage the use of live oral testimony in Chinese criminal trials. Historically, Chinese courts have relied primarily on written statements procured before trial, and live witnesses have been extremely rare. The 2012 reforms attempted to change that. As one might predict, the Chinese legal system has been slow to change. Zhu Hao talks about the reasons why, and why pressing this reform might be an important step. Zhu Hao, delighted to have you on Excited Utterance. Welcome. Thank you, Ed. It's my great pleasure to be here. You begin your article by discussing the Chinese criminal procedural law of 2012, which tried to encourage a greater use of live testimony in Chinese criminal trials. I think it's fair to say that most of our audience, including myself, We've had very little exposure to Chinese evidence law, so perhaps you could give us a little bit of background on that. How did Chinese courts operate previous to the 2012 reforms, and what was the goal of those reforms? For a long period of time, at the institutional level, criminal proceedings in China was like an assembly line between the police the prosecutors. In China, we call them procurators. And the court, these three, in China, they are all government agencies. So it's actually quite different from either the common law, criminal proceeding traditions, or even the civil law, criminal proceeding traditions. And I think there are fundamental or deeper reasons for this kind of phenomenon. At the constitutional level, the Chinese judiciary is not independent. It's not independent. It's part of the government uh, structure in China. And uh, at the institutional level, to complete a criminal conviction, the, the, the police, the procurator, and the court, they kind of share laboring here in order to finalize a criminal conviction. 
So then in order to break this norm or tradition of assembling line in criminal proceedings, the 2012 amendments of criminal procedure law in China trumps in. And uh, in my opinion, a key idea behind this amendment is to try to realize trial-centered criminal proceedings rather than to continue the previous tradition of assembling line. So it's interesting. The way that you present it, the 2012 amendments were designed to create some kind of structural reform in the criminal justice system, that the focus on trial was designed to break the relationship between the prosecutors and the judges. When we look at the reform that encouraged greater live oral testimony, it wasn't so much a focus on oral testimony per se, this idea that we really want to have oral testimony, but rather that it was a trapping of a trial-based system. And it was the trial-based system or the structure of having a trial that was the point of the 2012 amendments. Right. And one of the reasons the 2012 amendments focused on encouraging witnesses having oral testimony at a trial was because before 2012, the documentary evidence was the dominant form of evidence in criminal proceedings. And the 2012 amendments really wants to change the situation. When you say dominant, how dominant are we talking about? What was the typical mix of oral testimony and documentary evidence at a criminal trial? First of all, let me be clear here. There was no official statistics at the national level about this question, the, what's the percentage of witnesses testified at trial. However, I can say that before 2012, the witness appearance rate at trial, in, especially in criminal cases, was extremely low in China. I can be very confident that nationwide the number was less than 5% overall. And even in the most developed regions in China, the best number was still lower than 25%. That's just the basic numbers, but behind the numbers, in particular, like the investigating policemen or the investigators at cases involved with the government employee corruption, and also forensic scientists, those kind of witnesses almost never testify lively at a trial before 2012. So... What we have here is a system that's primarily documentary-based. Yes. And then you have the 2012 reforms, which try to encourage trial procedures and live oral testimony. What happened after those reforms went through? So the 2012 amendments added into multiple detailed rules the goal was all about trying to encourage witnesses to show up at criminal trials and in the meanwhile uh, empower child judges to kind of subpoena witnesses to show up at criminal trials in order to 
break down the original assembling situation. However, I would say in reality, in practice, the witness dilemma didn't really change much. The witness appearance rate overall at the national level still very low in China. However, I would like to say some specific areas, the witness appearance rate uh, indeed increased comparing to before the 2012 amendment. Like the investigating policemen and the forensic scientists, they started to show up, especially at some pilot courts in China. However, the overall situation didn't change much. Now, I have to say, that result is rather unsurprising to me. You have long-standing practices in any kind of institutional structure. You pass reform, and for the most part, inertia causes everyone to resist the change. They want to continue to conduct business as usual, and you're going to see some movement and as you were saying, there's some movement in these pilot programs. But on the whole, you don't have a lot of movement. Now, you suggest in your paper, though, that the resistance is not entirely just about inertia, that there are other considerations that are specific to the situation in China that make it difficult to implement this reform toward greater use of live oral testimony. Tell us a little bit more about those factors. Okay, yeah, this is a very good question. First, definitely there are deeper constitutional and institutional reasons here, very difficult to be solved or adjusted. Also, quite interestingly, I realized the traditional Chinese culture, like the ancient Confucius cultures, also made a an impact here. Among the general public in China, there are several ancient Chinese wisdom or proverbs here, like harmony is most precious. Uh, we try to prevent uh, offense to each other, not to involve oneself into a dispute, take no sides in others' dispute, Avoid troubles whenever possible. Also, face savings are very important in China. So the general public in China seems still not really realize the importance to testify at trial in criminal cases, as well as they actually tried not to get involved in the first place. Also, I think another important reason here is all players at criminal trials in China, including uh, judges, procurators, the defense attorneys, the witnesses, all of them actually are really lack of the tools or experience to do this at trial examination of oral testimony by the witness. So even if the ideal situation, the witnesses show up at criminal trial in China, 
It would be difficult, and you paint a rather depressing picture here, right? So what you're saying is that the governmental structure is one in which the judiciary doesn't have independence, and so it's very difficult to make the judiciary conduct trials in a way where they're detached from the prosecution. You have a culture that doesn't really value, or in fact, tries to value the avoidance. Of confrontation, and then for those reasons, you don't have a lot of experience running trials. Let me ask a broader or perhaps deeper question, and that's the question of why. Given that context, why was it so important to introduce a trial-based culture into the Chinese legal system, both for the legislature? But also, I think in your mind, you think that it's very important to introduce this trial-based system. Why should the Chinese legal system adopt this as opposed to some other reform? If the desire is to break the closeness between the judiciary and the prosecution, I think this broader question you just raised actually included、uh, several smaller questions in it. So let me try to answer in a sequence. The the first one,、um, I think I need to make it clear here that、uh, I'm not saying live testimony at a trial is universally better than let's say documentary evidence. Of course, the documentary evidence has its own merits in it, and in China. Let's bring it into the context of the judicial reform. We actually not just emphasizing the importance for witness testifying at criminal trials、uh, unilaterally or, or a single voice about it. Actually, we separate, let's say, serious criminal case or highly disputed criminal case. From simple and、uh, no dispute、uh, criminal cases, and we try to only focus or emphasize the importance for witnesses showing up in those serious, highly disputed criminal cases. And secondly, the Chinese judicial reformers. Realize or consider our previous situation was kind of too heavily relied on the documentary evidence. It's kind of in extreme, and by emphasizing oral testimony, witnesses showing up in the criminal trials, we expect things would started to. Gets into the middle ground. We don't expect、uh, like suddenly a situation will be totally changed. All the evidence、uh, being brought at the trial would be oral testimony. We don't expect that. If the situation can started to shift to the middle ground, that would be already we will consider it as a victory. And now I want to. To answer your question more directly, I think there are another three reasons here why the Chinese judicial reformers right now emphasize witness testifying or showing up at criminal cases. First is 
the fast developing economy of China really demands a modern judicial system in China, in particularly a modern litigation system. We need a litigation system, a criminal proceeding system, and a criminal trial mechanism can be understood and ought to say in accordance with the modern litigation model or theory or tradition. And we are trying to embrace the modern litigation concepts. So that can help better attract foreign investors, uh, for example, and really in a long run helps the Chinese economy to keep on growing, to keep the fast pace. And the second, the Chinese judicial system traditionally was heavily influenced by the continental legal system, or to say inquisitorial system, but we are not abide to that. In recently, a strong trend of influence from the common law system, especially the American procedural laws, started to make significant influence to the Chinese procedural laws in both civil and criminal cases. For example, the 2012 amendments added the standard of proof beyond a reasonable doubt into the current existing proof standards in criminal cases. And last but not least, the ongoing judicial reforms in China after 40 years of hard work, right now, I would say, getting to a deeper and more sophisticated level by pushing oral testimony of witness in criminal cases. The Chinese judicial reformers actually try to use this as a window to enrich the procedure content or trying to uh, enrich our trial procedures. And by letting the witness testifying at the trial, now we can do a lot of more things at trial. For example, the examination rules can be implemented and we can start to talk about impeachment of witness, rehabilitation of witness. So by doing this, we can start to really realize a trial-centered criminal procedure in China. And that's a way for us to break the assembly line at the institutional level. And from a higher level, we can say our goal is to strengthen the public confidence in our legal system, as well as the Chinese legal system can start to get in line with modern litigation systems of other countries. Final question for you. What's next for you? What projects are you working on now? I know that you're working on a SJD at Northwestern. What are the uh, papers or ideas on your table? At Northwestern, I worked uh, with several evidence professors, uh, especially Professor uh, Ronald J. Allen. He's my SJD supervisor. I started by learning the specific rules of American evidence law, especially the federal rules of evidence. By doing so, I try to see anything I can learn from FRE. So 
uh, at a later stage, I can make a use of it into my studies and research uh, in the Chinese legal system. Then I realized the direct transplant of American evidence rules into China probably is not a realistic solution. So under Professor Allen's guidance, I started to shift slightly shift my research study attention here in Northwestern uh, from specific rules of evidence into the study of the field of evidence. Right now, I started to read articles and books about theories like complexity, complex adaptive system, inference to the best explanation, and classical debate between probability theory versus the relative plausibility theory. So actually, I started to feel I'm knowing less about evidence than before, but I think it's actually a good feeling. It makes me feel refreshed, and I like to embrace the new challenges. Hope in the future it will make fruits out of it. Well, there's always the old saying, which is the more you know, the more you know what you don't know. Right, exactly. Well, great. Well, Tuho, thanks for taking the time to introduce us to Chinese evidentiary ideas and discussing the use of oral testimony in China. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for having me again, Ed. China's 2012 criminal procedure reforms are a useful case study of how evidence law can both influence and be influenced by broader society. First, Zhu Hao suggests that the push for trials and live witnesses was motivated in part by a desire to institutionally separate prosecutors from judges. A purely document-based system where all the legal actors, the police, prosecutors, and the judges, where all these legal actors are part of an extensive bureaucracy creates undesirable relationships and cross-linkages. The promotion of adversarial trials, therefore, was an attempt to stop what Zhuhao characterized as an assembly line type of mentality. Second, as law and society scholarship has often shown, legal change is as much cultural as it is formal. The law in practice is not necessarily the law on the books. The change from a document-based system to a witness-based system simply doesn't occur overnight. And in fact, given traditional Chinese cultural norms and the lack of an independent judiciary in China, witness-based practice may never become the norm since both the legal actors and the reluctant witnesses incline against it. Finally, there is the fascinating question of why. It has always struck me as somewhat curious when other countries, countries that may have highly dissimilar cultures and traditions from our own, choose American evidence law as a model for their reform. Sure, for an American, a trial without confrontation lacks transparency and even legitimacy. But is live oral testimony fundamental 
to fair legal proceedings? Presumably, there are other ways to run a fair and transparent trial, ways that might seem foreign to us, but yet still effective. And if so, why do these countries import American procedures? On this score, Tsuhao offers two interesting observations. One is that the adoption of Western judicial practices is often driven by a desire to attract foreign investment. In a sense, it's marketing. And this is a story that I have heard from reformers from other countries before. We're getting convergence toward adversarial live oral testimony because, for better or for worse, it's what multinational corporations are more comfortable with. Second, and here's a more intellectual reason that I hadn't previously considered, Tsuho suggests that the federal rules are, in a sense, a ready-made package. Yes, one could develop an evidentiary system from scratch to match a country's particular needs or values, but why do that when there is already a well-trodden alternative? In short, it's kind of like the difference between buying off the rack and buying custom. Or to belabor the metaphor, perhaps buying off the rack and then making modifications. I'll be interested to see what happens to Chinese evidence law as it incorporates these reforms. In the meantime, let me say that Zhuhao is clearly one of the rising stars in Chinese evidence law. I look forward to reading his future work, and I hope you have a chance to meet him while he's at Northwestern working on his SJD. Support for Excited Utterance is generously provided by Vanderbilt Law School's Brandstetter Litigation and Dispute Resolution Program, as well as the Vanderbilt Institute for Digital Learning. The associate producer is Alex Nunn, and the production editor is Grace DiPietro. Additional production assistance is provided by Megan Cole, and music is provided by the Vanderbilt University Blair School of Music's Children's Cello Choir under the direction of Kirsten Castle Greer. I'm your host, Ed Chang, and I hope you'll join me again next time when we take on another new work in the world of evidence and proof.